Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. This is the Game Bytes Podcast. Here we are. It's January the 31st, 2016. The month of January is over, friends. My name is LeGrand Jolly, your host, and I am joined, as always, with Dale Jones. Hello, Dale. Good evening. And without a camera on Skype, party foul, Jeremy Lamont. Hello, Jeremy. I just didn't want to distract you with my hotness yet again. You're so hot. Super hot. Jeremy is so hot right now. Heating up the wintertime. That's right. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's uh, good to be back and in the saddle again, talking about video games with you fine people. Uh, a lot of things have happened this week, but I have I haven't paid attention to anything. So this this whole show is going to be a revelation to me. It's great. I can't wait. I haven't read any news sites. I haven't uh, really paid attention to podcasts, and I want to know what happened this week in gaming. So bring it on. Well, this is the place. This is the place for you. Let the revelations begin, shall we? So let's start out by talking about the biggest news, the biggest announcement of this week, which, uh, according to our (laughs) trusty Google document here, uh, is that Sony has combined its uh, various interactive entertainment divisions and have created a new corporate umbrella called Sony Interactive Entertainment, which will be officially incorporated in April 2016. Uh, According to this news over at GameInformer.com, Andrew House, who is currently the CEO of Sony Computer Entertainment at large, so uh, before we did the SCE thing and SCEA and SCEJ and that sort of thing, uh, I think that's all going away and we're just going to be left with SIE LLC. That's a lot of alphabet soup. So what exactly does this mean? Well, for the most part, the organizational structure, the hierarchy of personnel there will generally remain the same. Uh, But other than that, it looks like it will also be retaining its uh, regionalized structure as well. The other thing that's really interesting about this is that they are moving the corporate headquarters of this particular division to San Mateo, California. So uh, I've seen a few people speculate that it may be that the United States being the number one most lucrative market for video games uh, will serve as the best center of operations. Uh, They will still maintain offices and physical space in Tokyo and London, but it looks like the general idea is going to be to bring the interactive entertainment into the foreground and to sort of consolidate the, I guess, the power, I suppose, behind that that entity, and it uh, looks like they will, starting on the next Sony fiscal year in April, they're, they're going to be a new, a new thing. So I don't think that there will be any real effects felt as far as the day-to-day operation of the Sony networks, the PlayStation Network, or the, uh, you know, Sony Entertainment Network, I guess they call that, but uh, I think more or less just some, some corporate restructuring going some on. consolidation there. of people and resources i guess right geographically i think it seems to make sense because a lot of a lot of the sort of industry trade shows and whatnot are kind of centered on the west coast of the united states right yeah that's true and you know things well although i have heard that the the biggest stuff actually happens in europe i mean i've heard the gamescom is bigger than leipzig and germany and gamescom and where where in germany or rather where in europe is um Sony headquarters. It said London. London. Well, this says London. London? They're going to have an office in London. Yeah, they, they do have an office in London. Yeah. Other shakeups going on uh, elsewhere in video games. You know that early access thing that they've got going on over at Steam? Well, it is not any longer the only player in town. Apparently, GOG.com, G-O-G.com, Good Old Games, has launched its own early access program called Games in Development. Uh, It will be a curated program. It will launch with a small number of items here, and it includes a 14-day no-questions-asked refund policy. The five games that it's going to be launching with include Starbound, Ashes of the Singularity, Project Zomboid, Terratech, and The Curious Expedition, all of which, by the way, are currently available through Steam Early Access. Starbound is still Early so Access? It looks like an expansion, right? Is Starbound Early Access still? Uh, Yeah, apparently. Yep. Wow. I think so. I wonder. Well, that game is pretty bad, so makes sense. So the... <laughs> 
managing director of GOG Pyotr Karwowski says that their goal has always been to offer a selection of titles that are both excellent and worth your time, and nowadays we're seeing more games that are already great experiences while still in development. They want all gamers on GOG.com to have access to what these titles have to offer, and they want to get it right, and so they believe that their 14-day refund policy will be a good way to do that. Interestingly, they also have a an update rollback feature where you can at any point roll back the uh, development status of the game back to any of the previous releases. That's nice. I, th- I wish it would be nice if Steam had that as well. That's kind of cool. Yeah, so if uh, there's something that you don't particularly like that they changed, or if they release an update that's broken, you can always go back to the last functional or preferred build of the game as well. Uh, S- Starbound came out on into early ac- access in December of 2013. Yeah, there. so they'll they'll stay there for a while, I guess. Yeah. Do you guys, li- do you guys like early access stuff? No. Like, I don't like it either. I actually actively hate it. I actively yeah, like, avoid I, I, it. I do not like... Um, it, I, I think it works well for developers uh, in terms of giving them more beta tests and I guess a way for, to, to feel out you know, people's... And to get some cash flow too, right? Yeah, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but I don't think, for, for me personally as a, as a consumer, I don't think it works well at all. <laughs> I, I don't want what, what that has to offer so much yeah. you know you know i don't i don't mind that and i know that jared really he, he at least looks at that stuff and, and grazes it and we've done a few streams where you know it's been for something that is in early access and actually it's kind of interesting those tend to get a lot of viewers a lot of activity from people who are interested in knowing what it's all about for me i i have never purchased anything in early access just because of opportunity cost you know i mean if i could be getting something else that's already a finished game something that i I'm pretty sure I would like, I, you know, it's hard not to allocate the funds for that, but I, I don't think I have any problem, you know, morally or philosophically with the idea of, of pre-selling. Well, it, it's game. fine. It's fine that they do it. I don't have, I'm not opposed to them doing it. It's just for me personally, I'm never going to partake. I mean, I own Starbound. I own Daisy. I haven't really played much of them at all. And I probably own a few other early access games, but yeah, I don't want to spend my time playing a game that doesn't have all the content or is buggy. Or they're going to wipe the servers, you know, and you're going to... Right, when, when my gaming time is very, very precious to me. At I was point. I was very happy to be in the um, Dota 2 and, and Diablo 3 betas, as well as, like, the Hearthstone beta that, you know, all those later um, just sort of evolved into the real thing, I guess. With, yeah, they just carried on, Diablo right? Or whatever. Uh, not with Diablo, but, but yeah, I was, I was really excited to be a part of those, and I thought that was great. But as far as, like... Um, you know any of the sort of games that are out on that have been out on early access, even things like you know Invisible Ink or or whatever. Um, nah, I just for me, I, I just you know call it 1.0, and then that's when I'm want that's when I want to play it. You know, I don't want to I don't want to read a novel that's half written. I don't know that I really want to play a game that's half developed either. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that position has merit. Hey, you guys, uh, you may have heard on social media, did you know that Peter Molyneux is retiring, closing Goddess, and uh, giving up on video games forever? Did you guys hear that? Well, news of Peter Molyneux's retirement have been greatly overstated. Uh, According to the man's own Twitter account, at P. Molyneux, his Twitter account was hacked, actually, and after some assertions that... uh, Fable 3 was Molyneux's biggest mistake, and that Goddess was being pulled from the Steam store, and that he was retiring from the games industry. Uh, A little while later, uh, this tweet from Peter Molyneux, Ah, my account has been hacked. You can tell because they know how to spell. I am not retiring, not closing Goddess. That was my best Peter Molyneux voice. What do you think of that? That was pretty good. That's another game that's actually in early access, is Goddess. And generally, reviews are not terribly favorable. It came out on iOS, though, already, like, didn't it? Well, I don't know. I mean, stuff on iOS is always getting updated as well. I mean, I'm not sure that anything really ever gets finished necessarily, but uh, yeah, it's received mostly negative reviews from players on Steam. It was actually crowdfunded through Kickstarter in 2012, and it's been in early That's access right. since 2013. So and the guy it was who that weird won... uh, that weird cube game. Yeah, the guy, the guy who won the Curiosity the Cube um, got screwed out of be... Goddess money or whatever. Well, he was supposed to be given some like. Um, I don't know, admin level developer privileges in Goddess or something like that. I don't know that that ever really came to be, though. I think I read an article about it, like, not happening. Like, yeah. It just... Yeah, actually, I heard that that guy recently was the subject of uh, some kind of 
community funding event to try and do right by him <laughs> or something like that. Uh, even just recently, you know, I didn't include it in the news this week, but uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll get to slide that into into the next one. So anyhow, I guess the big news is that Peter Molyneux is still here, and uh, <laughs> so he he's not going anywhere, I suppose, is, is the news. Uh, we've got something, though, that is incoming. Loot Crate. You guys may have heard of Loot Crate, the uh, monthly nerd unboxing I almost signed service. up for it once, but the line was too long at New York Comic Con, and so I didn't. Oh, man. I, I actually did get one Loot Crate, and it was all right, but I've just got too much garbage in my house. As yeah, it's so much crap. This is the subscription where you send them money and they send you junk, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, they yeah. send you stuff and they guarantee a particular dollar value from it. So I think they say that it's, you know, you pay $20 a month and you get at least $40 worth of dollar value out of it. Oh, stuff but, that you don't want. Stuff that but but you have shelf. to find yeah. a place to put it, exactly. If so that's, that's the, the case, just thing. I'll send you 20 bucks. you send me 40 bucks, and, you know, let's just cut out the middle there. However... Yeah. <laughs> However, here's the thing, you guys. Loot Crate is launching a gaming-centric Loot Crate, which is called Loot Gaming and will come this spring. We've always been targeting both geeks and gamers in kind of a general kind of pop culture box, said the co-founder of Loot Gaming, Matthew Arevalo, in a phone interview with Polygon.com. This opens up a focus for us where it's not as much of a mix of geek and gaming. And uh, they basically say that they offer a box of four to six premium items, uh, which, and I, I misstated, $25, which, uh, oh, 25 will be the uh, value of the Loot Gaming uh, box, which is five more dollars than the regular Loot Crate, but the in addition to the collectibles themselves, the crate will include a booklet done up in the style of a game manual, as well as a Loot Gaming pin, and each box, ooh, listen to this, each box will offer a total retail value of at least $60, according to Loot I'm Crate. in. So, I'm, I'm not in. Well, I don't know. You know, this this uh, does have a particular appeal. I mean, whereas Loot Crate could be any number of things, and, you know, maybe you don't like, uh, you know, horror Dr. movies Who. or whatever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, here Dr. you have at least a little bit more targeted kind of thing, and, you know, we, we may be talking a little bit later about the kinds of gaming junk that we actually already have around our house. So there is definitely a particular appeal to this. Like, oh, crap, I didn't like the Doctor Who stuff. Now they're sending me Doctor Who point-and-click adventure stuff yeah it's <laughs> hey the the humble bundle has a uh, a monthly subscription game crate thing have you guys seen that i didn't hear about a game crate but i mean there's also well, like i mean it, it's basically you pay x a month and you get a bunch of digital games every month oh yeah from the humble store you know i i did subscribe for a little while to indie box that was the video game one wasn't yeah, it? yeah that's right where they take games that originally only had digital releases and they would actually produce a physical boxed Release I remember of that. It. Yeah, I got uh, I got a copy of Steam World Dig, and it came with a bunch of stuff. And I got a co- actually I got a copy of Brutal Legend, which was the thing I really wanted. A box. Jokes on you! Legend, you don't have an optical so. drive anymore, so you can't even install it. Yeah, that's true. Well, guess what? I also don't open them either. So the joke was on me before it started. So it's <laughs> yeah. not even a bunch of stuff just sitting around on your shelves. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the stuff that is also going to be forthcoming out there in the world of gaming. It looks like Insomniac Games, which has previously been known for well, I guess most recently. Uh, Sunset Overdrive on the Xbox One and prior to that games like uh, Ratchet and Clank and the Resistance Fall of Man games, uh, those sorts of things uh, they have announced a new game which looks like it's going to be an underwater Metroidvania or uh, Egovania, I'm sorry, did it again uh, called Song <laughs> of the Deep and they've released a little video and some concept art and uh, it looks like it's going to be pretty cool, you know, they don't have much information out yet about it, but uh, according to Brian Hastings, who's the chief creative officer, he says, throughout the development, we've tried to create moments of awe-inducing wonder, and they're trying to instill a sense of amazement and awe. So the game's hero is a young girl named Marin, and she's the daughter of a fisherman who goes missing at sea in an attempt to find her father, who's told her salty tales of adventures and monsters and cities of gold. She cobbles together a makeshift submarine and journeys to the deep to find him. And uh, so they have decided to make this sort of a character-based thing. Again, according to Hastings, they get a lot of letters from fans saying that they identify with their characters, and uh, this heroine will be defined by her will to go on in the face of impossible obstacles. And you know, it looks here's something weird. It says that GameStop is kind of the publisher of this game. Yeah, they have uh, said that there's going to be both a physical and a digital edition, and uh, yeah, they uh, are already are sort of flogging the the GameStop connection to it. 
So uh, I, I'm kind of intrigued just because it looks so different from, I was going to say almost anything that I've seen from Insomniac, but they actually did a little known kind of Pokemon style game called Outer Knots that uh, I, I tried to get into, but unfortunately it, it didn't really Wasn't stick, that like a but... Facebook game? It was, yeah. It was on Facebook, and it Outer actually Knots? came out on iOS. You tried to get me to play that, Jeremy. I did, I and they, that. and actually, I went back, and they've changed it now. So I kind of liked it before when it was a little more, you know, walk around the map like you would in That's Pokemon. That's a Pokemon game. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and it actually had... Because the thing is, Pokemon kind of get a little weird after, after a period of time. And I liked it that they had designed something with sort of a more Western sensibility with, um, you know, animals that started out kind of cute and then turned into eventually, like, tough-looking you know creatures and things uh, like that. What about Geodude? Geodude is timeless. Geo it's pretty okay. tough it's pretty tough to top Geodude, I think. Um my favorite Pokémon is still Mr. Mime, so not Geodude for life. I think mine is uh Machamp. Machamp? You you just like the guy in the speedo. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, it. <laughs> So here's something that is uh, a little bit nearer on the horizon for us, and if you are a subscriber to PlayStation Plus, you may be interested to know the PS Plus games that are going to be coming out for free as part of their instant game collection starting next month, or if you're listening to this now, this month in February on the PlayStation oh. 4, Helldivers, Nom Nom Galaxy, and hey, Nova 111, which we actually talked about a week or two ago on this show. Oh yeah, did you pay money for that? Uh, I did not, but... Um, oh, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it would have been a pretty close thing because I just barely played it too. On the PlayStation 3, Grid Autosport and Helldivers, which is cross-platform with the PlayStation 4. Uh, again, Nova 111 and Persona 4 Arena Ultimax, which is the Persona 4-based fighting game. And on the Vita, Helldivers, again, which is cross-plat, uh, and Lemmings Touch and Nova 111, which is also cross-platform. So uh, three games awesome. are cross-platform and, uh, you know, looking pretty good. Uh, I hear Helldivers is really cool and fun and difficult. Yeah, I've heard that as well, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. And I can is vouch... it cross-play? Do you think across those three consoles? Uh, you know, I don't know. It doesn't really say here. I I got to be honest sure with you. I'm awesome. not even sure exactly what Helldivers is. It's like a top-down isometric Diablo shooter. Yeah. There. Yeah, I've heard people who like it just like really love it to death. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I can vouch for Nom Nom Galaxy, which we've played on some of our video streams in the past. It's a little bit like your um, Terraria, I suppose, just with uh, kind of more of a soup theme to it and some more objectives and, and oh yeah I'm discrete really levels and that's pretty cool it does that. have online and, and couch uh, multiplayer so that's pretty cool and then uh, i've always had at least one eye on persona 4 arena ultimax just as a persona fighting game you don't have to know much about it but i guess those characters are pretty cool people seem to like them so and then i guess you can't go wrong with lemmings i uh, haven't played a lemmings game in a while so why not yeah they still make those i don't ever want to play a lemmings game again yeah apparently apparently they still make them is, is this an old lemmings game or are they still making them uh, well, I'm sure it's not really new. I mean, the studio that made that, they, that, in fact, that was actually one of the Sony London. I mean, it used to be Psygnosis, and I think they eventually became the Sony London, uh, Sony London studio, so I don't know who's making them now. Uh, on other platforms, though, on Xbox Games with Gold in February, you can look forward on the Xbox One to Hand of Fate. It's not Mono's Hands of Fate, it's just Hand of Fate. Hand, Hand of Fate. Uh, Styx, Master of Shadows. And then on the Xbox 360, Sacred Citadel and Gears of War 2. And remember, at this point, all Xbox 360 titles coming out on the Games with Gold program will also be backward compatible on the Xbox One. So you'll have a That's chance cool. to play it there as well. Almost makes me want to buy an Xbox One. Hmm... Almost. 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 Uh, Sticks has already been free on PlayStation Plus, by the way. That's true. Yep, that is true. It came out a few months ago. So, <laughs> you know, I've heard that Sticks is actually a pretty good game. Yeah, my kid was playing it, but it was pretty violent, so I, I yeah. banned him from it. Oh wow! <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Uh, well, if you've been looking forward to something such as the former Secretary of Defense, Donald Rumsfeld, debuting his first video game, uh, guess what? You're in luck. He has just released a video game called Churchill Solitaire, which is based on an old variant of Solitaire that uses a couple of decks, I think. And uh, I'm not sure if it was originated by Winston Churchill, but... Apparently, it's named after him. Donald Rumsfeld apparently learned this game at the hands of someone named Andre de Stark, a young diplomat who was a protege and confidant of Churchill's after he escaped his native Belgium during the Nazi occupation of World War II, according to a FAQ for the game. And uh, I'm not 
quite clear exactly on what Donald Rumsfeld's role in this is. Apparently, as a designer, it's actually being he's developed. he's the marketing behind it, man. He's He's putting his name on yeah, it. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I suppose that's true. Although, uh, you know, it looks like there is a partnership between the developer and also the estate of Winston Churchill. All profits from this game will be donated to benefits wounded veterans, I believe. Uh, it's actually being developed by a studio called Snapdragon Studios, which I believe, I want to say is from Indiana, I think. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, it looks like it's a pretty interesting uh, type game. It's actually out for free currently on iOS devices. Uh, it does include a few in-game purchases, and again, uh, those proceeds will go to help wounded veterans. And uh, over at Polygon.com, they asked Donald Rumsfeld, uh, well, maybe they didn't ask him, but uh, he was asked whether he might uh, pursue the video game development thing further, and uh, he joked that it was something that he had quite some time to figure out. He's only 83 years old, so who knows, is what he said. <laughs> so uh, if you're interested in some uh, Churchill solitaire, apparently, uh, it's kind of interesting, there are 200 ways that you can win in Churchill Solitaire, and I'm not sure how that compares to a standard game of Solitaire, but apparently it is a very difficult type of game to win, but they wanted to make sure that it was accessible to players of all skill Yeah, I've heard it's played with like two decks worth of cards, and then instead of having four aces across the top, you have eight aces across the top, and then there's like another row across the top of other stuff that's held out of the deck that you have to kind of plan around when you're playing as well. So it sounds sounds pretty crazy. Yeah, in fact, that seems to line up with the picture that I'm seeing right here on uh, on iOS. So, yep, so you can try that out and see if Donald Rumsfeld uh, makes a better video game developer than a Secretary of Defense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's weird that they, they didn't put out a Donald Rumsfeld uh, rummy, you know what I mean? Oh, man, that's brilliant. Maybe that can be his second game. That'll be his sophomore entry into video games. Well, hey, it is the end of an era, guys. Uh, apparently, Street Fighter Four will not be played this year at the EVO tournament in 2016. Uh, this is going to take place in July 15th to 17th, and it uh, looks like they will be including Street Fighter Five, but Street Fighter Four is out. Is that uh, why they're taking Street Fighter Four out? I think it might be. I think that they just have limited time and probably limited attention span, but let's take a look at some of the games that did make the cut. So Street Fighter Five will be in, Super Smash Bros. Melee will be in, Super Smash Bros. on the Wii U will be in, Pokémon Tournament, which is the Pokémon Tekken crossover. Yeah, what the hell? Two Smash Brothers games? Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. Uh, Mortal Kombat X will be in. Guilty Gear... Oh my god, how do you pronounce this? Guilty Gear XRD. XRD, so it's like third, except it's an X in its place. Uh, Revelator, which I think is a Depeche Mode song. Uh, Ultimate Marvel <laughs> vs. Capcom 3 is still there, so it's still Marvel, baby. And uh, Killer Instinct and Tekken 7. Well, hopefully Street Fighter Five is good, man, because... That's kind of weird for him to drop it. And like, Street Fighter V is not even out yet, and to drop it from Evo already? That seems yeah, crazy to me. That, that is kind of weird. And I'm not sure, you know, how much time people have to acclimate to the new game. I mean, presumably. You know, let, let me ask you guys this, because you, you may, and Legrand, I know that you're a little more into fighting games than I am, but do those games, when you go from, say, Street Fighter Four to, you know, Street Fighter Four, well, I guess that's within the same game, but when you go from, say, Street Fighter Two or something to Street Fighter Four, uh, most of the mechanics stay pretty much the same, right? I mean, it's not any great change in the well, way it plays a, a lot of the a lot of a fighting game is more mind games than it is i mean no you know, obviously you have to be able to execute your moves and your combos and things like that but it's also about the footsies and the mind games and just being able to trick your opponent and then punish him or whatever you know so i i think it's easy for a pro fighter fighting game Street Fighter 4 player to move into Street Fighter 5 won't be a problem at all. Yeah, that's probably There are additional like mechanics like the supers and the ultras that they added and those change and things like that, but yeah, basically the same. I I've always I've always been a, I've always been tempted to just go all out and practice Street Fighter 4 for like 2 months straight and then go to Evo just to say I went to Evo once and played like I've always wanted to do that, but I've never. I've never you you don't really want to do that. This, it's this just, I do. This could be your year. Well, but really, what I the reason why I want to go is not only to compete to say that I did, but also just I mean, to watch a Street Fighter for that tournament in person would be incredible. Like I like like BlizzCon. My favorite part of BlizzCon is watching the live tournaments, and because of the you know the excitement that's going there, the cheering, the crowd, and I think Evo would be just a lot of fun. Um, I remember when we ran the Geeks event uh, back in 2000 and, gosh, I want to say 2008, um, we had a Street Fighter 4 tournament. And is that game that old? That game's not that old. 
must have been 2011. Uh, we we had anyway we had a Street Fighter 4 tournament and it was super awesome to watch. Um, and it, there was like a not very many people there, but it was really fun. So I like fighting game tournaments for sure. Yeah, they are fun. I've only been to a couple of them. In fact, the the local uh, Utah 3DS Street Pass group partnered with the the local Smash community and actually put a uh, put a tournament together, which uh, I helped out at a little bit, and that was pretty fun to go to. People get really excited about that. So. Super hype. So look forward to the new lineup in uh, July in Las Vegas, July 15th to 17th. And very last in the news for today, a little bit of a weird new item that's come out. Uh, Detective Pikachu Birth of a New Duo has been announced and will be releasing very shortly, February 3rd, 2016. Birth of a New Duo? Is, is that like I I don't time? know. So so imagine Pikachu in sort of a Sherlock Holmes deerstalker kind of cap. Uh, apparently he goes through. Uh, the, you know the the uh, the trailer for this sort of shows like a real life kind of thing. Like he's palling around with an actual kid. But the weirdest thing is that, and it's all in Japanese. But the Pikachu apparently has some pretty pretty clear conversational skills and he's got one of those like uh, you know manly Did japanese just say pika no no pika he doesn't lot? he's like and it's all in japanese but it's like i mean and he's got one of those you know so dead like subarashiki desu you know he's like walking around doing stuff like that and like i guess solving crimes or something so huh. um yeah, but, you know, fans are kind of eating it up, and it looks like there is already a uh, change.org petition. Uh-oh, serious business now. To have Danny DeVito perform the voice of Pikachu in the U.S. version. And uh, apparently some enterprising fans out there have actually put together a trailer that splices in Danny DeVito quotes from various movies into the uh, <laughs> into the trailers. So uh, it, it is pretty weird. Why gotta, Danny DeVito? Just because, but, well, because the voice of the Pikachu is like, yeah, he, you know, he's like solving crimes and stuff. But then he's like, hey, I'm a Pikachu. Ah. I don't know. I guess they huh. just figure it fits. And it kind of does. So, you know, check out the, uh, the trailer, Great Detective Pikachu English trailer featuring Danny DeVito. And, uh, yeah, this, this change.org petition, uh, already has over 37,000 votes as of this recording. So, huh, uh, nice. look I could think of better to... uses for a change.org petition, honestly. I don't know. I, you know, honestly, I'm not sure that I could. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not? And that's your news for this week. Thanks for the news, Jeremy. No problem, guys. Uh, we have a few new releases. Uh, tech-gaming.com is where we get them. So go over there and check out the full list. Uh, on the list, it actually came out a couple days ago. So Tech-Dash Gaming's new release list is a couple days behind our podcast recording schedule. But Rise of the Tomb Raider has come out for PC last Friday, I believe. Yes. Uh, so, man, I want to play that game um, soon-ish. I don't know. I feel like I want to play it because I like the other one. Uh, Gravity Rush Remastered on the PSN. I want that. Uh Jeremy, do you already have it? Well, I have the original on the Vita, and I had always... So the thing is, one of the reasons I bought a PlayStation TV was because I wanted to play that game and have my kids play that game because they would always steal my Vita and play it. But then it it ended up not being compatible with the PS TV. So I was a little bummed about that. And uh, you might remember there was a hack a little while ago that sort of allowed it to be played, and I jumped all over it, but I don't know. I'm actually just kind of looking forward to having that game on a nice... Uh, you know, nice big boy high version. resolution display. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. So that's going to be cool. good. Thirty dollars, twenty nine ninety nine. Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. This is the uh, GBA um, Final Fantasy Tactics game that was not the original. This was a whole new game with a separate storyline and and this was actually the Final Fantasy Tactics game that I played first. I actually played this before. This was the first appearance of the uh, judges of Evil East. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I think that might be the reason I like the judges so much. Um, or I just like Evil East a lot, just in general. And um, I, I think it may have actually started with, with this game. The weird thing about it, though, is that this is going to be on the Wii U. I feel like it would have been a lot better on the 3DS. Um, so. Uh, yeah, probably. That's a little weird. Yeah, all of the interesting stuff they've done with the virtual console lately has been Wii U when it doesn't. Seemed like it makes any sense not to have it on 3DS. Yeah, why would you make a GBA game only on Wii U and not on 3DS? It was a portable game to begin because with. Because Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, and then anyway. actually the, the list was pretty thin, so I added Crazy Train because I thought maybe it had something to do with Ozzy Osbourne, but... I doubt it. Probably not. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Wow. All right. 
That's your new releases. <laughs> Very good. There, there are more, but I couldn't find anything that was really interesting. So go over to Tech Gaming and check it out. Oh. Well, you missed Rise of the Tomb Raider, bro. Oh, yeah. Oh. It might be because it was already out on Xbox One last year. Yeah, but... No, I'm just kidding. Not, I'm just kidding. It's out on a, a better platform. Better, Have you seen the comparison PC. videos Did for the graphics? Did you know the PS4 has sold like twice as many units as Xbox One, Jeremy? Amazing. And the PlayStation 4 has sold twice as many units of Rise of the Tomb Raider just in pre-sales than the Xbox One. How about that? that that's actually pretty interesting. What happened to I don't the, know. Like, I, I made up to that the stat year um, timed exclusive or whatever? Well, it's not coming to PS4 until end of this year, right? I see. Okay. Right. And so PC is not technically in competition with the Xbox One somehow, but uh, I don't have an Xbox One. I'll buy it on PC. So, joke's on you, Microsoft. <laughs> awesome. So we had a topic that we kind of threw together at the last minute, but it turned out to be pretty cool, though. Yeah, because I got all excited about it because I'm wearing this awesome shirt. So, what's the topic? So Jeremy thought it would be fun to talk about the best gaming swag or collector's edition game or uh, some piece of something gaming related that we have held on to that we love dearly. That's right. Just um, your favorite memorabilia. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I, I've, I used to be the guy who loved to collect that crap and I'd love to hang on to things and have it you know, stashed all over the place. And I kind of grew out of it. Um, I don't know about you guys. You guys still have lots of collector's edition tchotchkes and statues hanging out? No. I think it sort of outgrew me, uh, or, or more specifically, outgrew my house. I'm sort of at max garbage right now, just like stuff <laughs> around the house, which is partly why this generation, this console generation, I've gone digital only. Um, just to save space, literally physical space. Uh, but yeah, I've I've got some I've got some good stuff hanging around, and I, I although I'm not accumulating any more new stuff. I mean, I still feel the call. You know, I still have the want. But whenever uh, you see a nice collector's edition, like you're like, oh, I want that yes. statue so bad. And, and then you have to sort of like mentally, like you got, you got to like unwind yourself. Like, okay, I'm not gonna have anywhere to put that. There was a, a really really cool Okami. Uh, Amaterasu statue. I saw that. that. Was, like lit up and everything. <laughs> in fact, I actually went to buy it. I, I actually was unsuccessful in talking myself out of it until I found out that the thing was like 18 inches long and like a foot high. And right. I literally do not have anywhere to put something like that. And like $200 or something. It was more than right? that. It was like $400 if you get that the would probably look one. good on like the, the front step, you know, of your house, like leading up, like just beside <laughs> the front door, you know, in the yeah, corner. Yeah, I, I thought... <laughs> I thought about that, but uh, yeah. What was do the it. last uh, physical awesome statue collector's edition thing that you bought? Jeremy? Oh man, that's that's kind of tough. I think the last one that I got was with God of War Ascension, and there was like a cool Kratos statue that uh-huh. came with it. And Kratos is kind of cool, so. And where's the statue now? Uh, in my closet. And should, like, should a I make fun of you bin. for buying the statue or buying the game? I, I just. Don't... You know what? God of War Ascension wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It 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 wasn't great. Um, mostly in the sense that it. Did, well, anyway, that's not the topic right now. But it wasn't bad. But yeah, that that statue was pretty cool. Kratos is still cool. Kratos is cool. I'm telling you. Um, I don't know if Kratos is very cool. No, Kratos is cool. Um, I don't know. Uh, I. Okay, I, I, I give it. Other He's than cool. that, I was Jeremy, I was tempted. So I was tempted to get the Homeworld ship, but I almost I bought the Homeworld ship, and I haven't even played the game. It looked awesome. Yeah. What about you, Dale? Any yeah. uh, collector's edition yeah. nonsense? Uh, I think the most recent, you know, collector's edition nonsense, as you put it, that I bought, um, was the I bought the. I'm trying to remember the title. I think it's Perfect Works Dark Souls. It's the um, it's an art book basically. Oh, it's, an, it's no, like that's an art cool. and design book. And doesn't that one also have the? Uh, isn't it like a hint book also? Or am I thinking of a different one? No, there's no there's no gameplay or hint sort of stuff in there. I think I might be thinking of the Bloodborne one, maybe. Because um, I this want that. Is, it's it's just kind of an art and design book uh, with like some comments by. That stuff's the, useful though. I mean, that's not like a dumb statue. Well, right? I don't I don't know I don't think it's useful, but it's it's cool. It's cool to flip through and look at put on your um, coffee table there's an art book that i've always wanted to get that i haven't which is the uh, the last of us art book is amazing that's on my list i want that too. the character design and and stuff and the monster design and last of us is so awesome and the art book like goes through the entire thing and explains 
their thought process behind creating the characters, and it's really, really interesting. You know, if I, if I could uh, bring it back to, to yesteryear, um, there is a piece of, like, game um, pre-order swag that I got a long time ago that I still actually have, which I, I wonder if you guys are, have, have ever seen this. Um, <clears throat> so it, it, was, it was Babbage's back in the day. Um, but when you, would, when you went into reserve, oh, you know, I got a couple of things now I think of it. The the first one I'm thinking of here is uh, when when I reserved and put my five dollars down for the original Metal Gear Solid, there was a like notebook, like a little like a spiral bound notebook um, that had like metal covers on the front and back. They were the, the covers were you know like some some metal or whatever, and it has the logo for the game on it in the front where it says Metal Gear Solid you know, tactical espionage action. And then the first, like, maybe five pages are um, cardstock with uh, art from the game. Like, there's, like, the Cyborg Ninja, and there's, uh, you know, I don't know, Solid Snake, or I, I, I don't remember what the other ones are. But So do you still, still have, have that? Yeah, I still have that book somewhere. Um, for a long time, probably since I got the thing in, you know, 1998, um, it's been in my uh, top drawer of my dresser at my parents' house in Arkansas. Um, <laughs> but similarly, um, for, uh, for predating that by like about a year or a year and a half even, um, when I pre-ordered Final Fantasy VII, I got a cool T-shirt with Cloud on the back of the T-shirt. And um, I never wore that T-shirt. Actually, no, I, I think I did wear it to school like one time. Um, you got, got beat, beat up. up. No, yeah, no, that, was, that was actually when I met a good friend of mine because uh, we were both wearing the shirt. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we, that's, we were both that's wearing awesome. the shirt that day. That is hey, like the nerdiest love story I've ever yeah. heard. Like, that was that was like pre like breakout of like RPG culture, right? Like, well, yeah, it was, was like the first really big one. Yeah, yeah, and it was before that. So I mean, it was just before, but it was getting there, right? Um, but I, yeah, I still got that shirt too. Uh, for the longest time, that shirt was also just hanging on a hanger, um, like hanging on my wall, uh, you know, just cause I always used to like, just put photos of musical artists. I like that. I cut out of like Rolling Stone or something and like posters of stuff on my wall, you know? And that was just one of the things I put up there. Huh? Uh, the last physical thing that I bought, uh, well, collector's edition was, uh, uncharted three had their collector's edition and, it came up on sale at Best Buy for like twenty dollars, and so I bought it online and went and picked it up. And I actually hadn't played the game yet, um, so that was the first time I actually played Uncharted Three. I bought the collection edition for twenty dollars, and it came with a sweet statue. That's actually the bookend uh, right now that's holding up my games on my shelf up there. And it also came with the belt buckle uh, that Nathan Drake wears, and it came with a ring as well. That the ring that is pivotal to the entire storyline that he wears around the neck. It's um, anyway. It came with all that stuff, plus the game, and I still have the ring kicking around somewhere, and I have the statue, of course. I don't know where the belt buckle went, but it's probably in a box somewhere, but that was the last actual physical collector's edition thing that I Admit purchased. it, you have Nathan Drake's ring on a necklace around your neck, don't you? <laughs> uh, no. But my, I, my, my My son actually dressed up as Nathan Drake for Halloween last year. That was what he wanted to be for Halloween, and... Uh, I couldn't find the ring. It was packed away a somewhere. A mass murderer? That sounds pretty scary. That's, I know. I know. <laughs> the scariest. We actually uh, did a pretty good job of it. I mean, we got them all decked out, and we put like a, a little, you know, a little bullet thing around his bandolier. <laughs> around his shoulder. bandolier. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, he did a pretty good job. Did you do the half tuck? Nathan Drake. The half tuck. He didn't do the half tuck. No, oh, no. Half tuck and jeans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Legrand, something that you had, and, and I don't think I, I think you just sort of came upon it, but it was something that I coveted that you had for a while was a, uh, it was the statuette that came with the like a special edition of Enslaved Odyssey to oh, the West. Oh yeah, you remember that? Yeah, it was a. Uh, so when I worked at the Salt Lake Tribune, um, the reviews people would get random stuff just sent to them uh, for you know movies. They get movies sent to them and video game things sent to them and. I spotted in some dude's um, closet a a box that was the enslaved like monkey statue figurine thing, and I was like, "What?" I'm like, and, and that was like around the time where I was pretty hot on that game. I think I had just 
fairly recently had been done, you know, got finished playing it for the first time. And so I finally went up one day and asked him about it. And he's like, oh, yeah, this old thing. He's like, you can have it if you want. I don't even know and what I this is. Like, it's like some karate guy. Exactly. And I, I remember I took it and I had it in my house for a long, long time. And then I there I had a, had a good friend who was way into the enslaved that was not Jeremy. But I actually gave it to him for Christmas. Um, and I think he has it displayed at his house. And he, oh, nice. He it and so I ended up giving it away. I don't have it still. And that was that was also at the point where I was like, okay, I don't need exactly. this thing. You so know? like no hard feelings better him than me really at this point. I do not right. need it. Do not and he knew it. that I had it too. And so he had asked me about it. He's like, that's really awesome, man. If you ever want to get rid of it. And he was like all excited about it. So I was like, well, this is kind of sitting on my shelf at work and I don't really care. I can look at it, but I'll just give it to my buddy. And I did. And anyway. So you're also wearing a pretty fancy piece of memorabilia right now, aren't you? All right, so here's the story. It was uh, E3 2004, and um, this was the... I, I went to E3 in 2004 and 2005, and this was... Uh, the thing the thing is when you go to like E3, um, especially like trade shows, video game trade... Trade shows in general, but video game trade shows, everyone is giving away free t-shirts, right? So, I mean, I, I remember coming home with probably eight or nine t-shirts, like Newegg shirts and from, you know, different video games and things like that. And uh, you would always, like, have to jump through all these hoops to get these these T-shirts. Well, we went to this one specific booth, and we had to, like, go around and, like, fill out all this crap and um, do all these different things, and they end up giving us a T-shirt at the very end. And this T-shirt that I'm wearing now has a, a picture, like, a head of a... Um, like a metal head with like these horns. And it it kind of looks like it looks like Master Chief if he had a blue like visor piece and then horns coming out the side of his head. Is that am I off base on that? Uh, sounds about right. It looks more like a knight in shining armor type of helmet. To me, it looks more like a Castle Crashers esque character. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, I've had this shirt and I bought it, or I got it, you know, from their booth at E3, and I hung on to it. I've worn it maybe once ever, and it's. Hung in my house, and when I moved, actually, I got married, and it moved to my house where my wife and I lived, and then it moved from there. It's it's probably been through like four or five moves since I got it, and I always have it hanging back up in my up in my uh, closet. And despite I throw away everything else, like my Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess shirt I got, I I end up getting rid of, and um, just end up getting. But this has always kind of remained, and the reason why is because it is a shirt from the uh, Phantom. Um, video game console. Oh, uh, that, that was re- a long, long time ago. Where they, the whole idea was, hey, we should have PCs and they should be able to be played on TVs. So we're gonna make this console that's actually a PC and make this weird lapboard controller with a keyboard and a mouse, and it's all gonna be this console that plays PC games. Um, so the reason why I kept it was because that thing, you know, went away. Uh, after a few years, I actually played it and demoed it at that booth um, when I was there. Um, and so I kept it just because it is one of those things that was lost to video game history um, that is obviously never going to come back because PCs now are just in the living room anyways because they just got smaller and better. Um, so anyway, so that's what the shirt's from. How about and that? on the back, it actually has the Phantom. Uh, you can see it there. It says Phantom Lives. <laughs> you know, even wow. if you had shown us the back of that shirt earlier, I still wouldn't have guessed what it was. Probably wouldn't have, you wouldn't have guessed it. what it yeah. was. No, you're probably right. Yeah, the, 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 like the front, Phantom. the front says the front has like the hel- the helmet, and then it says "I believe" underneath it. All of the all of the text on it glows in the dark, and then the back it says "Phantom Lives" and has the Phantom. Logo. I would have thought it was like the Billy Zane movie, you know, the Phantom or something. The yeah, <laughs> purple spandex unitard. Anyway, I don't think I have anything else that left over from E3. Um, when I went, maybe like my lanyard, I don't know, but I still have this t-shirt. So anyway, there you go. You never would have guessed it. No, never would have <laughs> guessed it. I'll quickly go through some of my stuff here. Uh, I've sort of categorized it a little bit. I'll try not to take up too much time, but I think my number one thing, the thing that took me the longest to, to acquire was a complete set of the cloth maps from the Ultima RPG series. Um, going all the way back to the first one, I believe, where they were cards rather than cloth. Uh, it's like four sets of cards, except the only downside, the only flaw is that someone did a, a little bit of like a pen outlining job on some of the mountains on the map. 
Uh, they stayed in the lines, which is pretty good, but I think that probably devalues it some. But other than that, I've got the cloth maps going all the way through the main Ultima series, all the way to Ultima 9, Ultima Online. Uh, the only one that I didn't get, and I actually had a local guy here who went to EA relaunch the game um, as some sort of free-to-play game at some point, and they did some cloth maps when they... What was uh, that game called? Ultima Legends or Ultima something weird? Ultima Lords of Ultima, I think it was. Lords of Ultima, there you Lords go. It was like Ultima. a free-to-play weirdo. Yeah, weirdo yeah exactly. Yeah. And it probably had very little to do with Ultima, but it had a cloth yep. map, and I never got it. Uh, in fact, he might still be hanging on to it for me. I haven't talked to him in a while, so maybe I better butter him up. Uh, some other favorites that I have. I have a letter opener that is themed after the Heavenly Sword from Heavenly Sword, which is pretty cool. <laughs> I've never... I, I think I've actually opened a letter with it, too, and uh, it, it stole my soul. Um, <laughs> I have a complete set of Tron 2.0 action figures. They actually released a series of action figures based on that game, and they're sort of, you know... I mean, they're kind of rigid. They don't, they're not, they don't have a lot of articulation to them, but uh, I don't think many people out there have them, so I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, I have a Dead Space 1 Ultra Limited Edition, which was limited to uh, 1,000, and I've seen that going for some... Yeah, I haven't opened it either. I don't even know what's in that thing, but I've seen it going for a pretty pretty penny on eBay. Um, I don't know. Some other favorites that maybe aren't very valuable. Uh, I have a a Manny Calavera, so from Grim Fandango, the the character, the skeleton character from from, uh, Grim Fandango. I have two things. I've got like a hanger thing that is like him with all of his joints articulated so you can pose him and hang him on your wall. Uh, He's he's, uh, pretty cool. And then also along with that as a pre-order thing, I got a... uh, um, yeah, have you ever seen the little statues that are like skeletons and you push in the bottom and it like loosens a string and the, the thing goes limp yeah, and then you let uh-huh. go and it like goes rigid. So I have one of those also from Grim Fandango. Uh, oh, that's got, awesome. And then like, I, did you guys get any of the stuff from Club Nintendo? Any no. of the, any of the platinum rewards? So I have the, the coveted statue that was the reward on Club Nintendo one year, uh, that came in a little question block and it's kind of just a PVC statue of a bunch of the... Super Mario characters. Um, I collect a lot of plushies, man. I've got I got a ton of plushies, and I'm an adult. And I just bought at the last at the last uh, Salt Lake Comic Con. I got a Chibi Tarasu uh, from Okami Den, and I got a Tingle. I got a couple Tingles. I got a Tingle from a uh, from some friends. Uh, got some Monster Hunter shirts. I got a cheese <laughs> man. Yeah, I got some Monster Hunter shirts from the people over at Eight Four, the oh, localizing I, I, company. That's one thing we have. Um, we have one of the um... The Nyanta, I, I think that's what they're called, the uh, the cat hunter. Oh, the little cat people, yeah. Yeah, we have a plushy Nyanta that uh, <gasps> that Esteban gave me for, for uh, my daughter. So, oh, that's cool. You give that, that thing a hug tonight. That sounds cute. And then uh, I've sort of been on, as you guys know, a little bit of a vinyl soundtrack collecting kick, and uh, that is expensive. Don't get into that. Do not get into that. Um, I recently accepted delivery of the soundtrack to Axiom Verge on one of the uh, very limited 250, um, what do they call it, like... uh, Devastator edition, like the orange, you know, because you know you can't just have a vinyl record anymore. They don't make black records anymore. They're all like weird colors and stuff. And, you gotta be uh, cool. You gotta be something you want to have and show. Yeah, right? exactly. And they and they are They're not uh, used for playing music anymore. No, that's super inconvenient to play music on a vinyl record. I mean, and some people are like, oh, it sounds better. It doesn't sound any better. And you know what? You just you might as well just cue it up on your MP3 player. It's a lot easier that way. But I have. I have a tidy stack of, of those, and uh, it's it's growing, and it's unfortunate, but uh, that's kind of what's going on over here. And, you know, I don't even like to think about all this stuff. Like I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. No. <laughs> I can't do it. It's just, it's just too much. Too much stuff. And that and that's all the stuff that is sort of like adjacent to video games, and then there's all kinds of other things that come from everywhere else. So, geez. I've got a lot of posters from weird places, like my BlizzCon posters that I got signed by the dev team. I got I got a bunch of posters and crap. I like to get the fan art from, or not fan art, but you know, when you go to like Comic Con and they've got the artist alley and they do, uh, I got some pretty neat Bioshock, uh, Bioshock Infinite stuff, and uh, I don't know, just all kinds. I like, I like gaming art. I like, yeah, the. I love, I love Artist Alley. That's my favorite part of the Comic-Con, and I go to plenty of them. My wife got this really cool Assassin's Creed sisterhood thing, and it's like this lady in a cool... like. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, she got that. And we were like looking oh, at that cool. the entire time, and we're like, oh, we want that. And so she finally got it. So yeah, she's got some stuff too. So it accumulates, it accumulates. Don't let this happen to you. Let this be uh, a lesson to all of you out there. 
But uh, just in case you're still in a collecting mood, listeners, you can collect all of the Game Bite Show podcasts. Collect them all. And they're free. Easy. They don't take up much space. You can find those over at our website, GameByteShow.com. You can also subscribe to our RSS feed or subscribe to us there on iTunes. And, uh, you know, we, we keep making them, so uh, they're, they're still limited, you know, still limited edition. Uh, we hand number every one of them, but you can slip that right into your collection and uh, makes a nice display piece. Tell your friends. Trade them with your friends. Uh, each each Game Bites podcast has uh, a free Pokemon inside. <laughs> yeah, that's, it, it evolves whenever you trade, <laughs> and it just gets better and better. Yeah. Uh, if you have a uh, naughty little collecting habit that you might like to share with us, you can reach out to us on Twitter and let us know. Collectively, we are at Game Bites Show. You can also reach out to us individually. I am at Jeremy underscore Lamont. You can find me at Legrand. And I'm at Count underscore Elmdor. Please engage with my tweets. <laughs> Please engage. <laughs> you, you can also find our good buddy Jared Red Dunn at R-E-D underscore I. And uh, as I mentioned, this show comes to you twice a week. This is the top of the week where we talk to you about the news, new releases, and this special topic of discussion. But uh, join us again at the middle of the week where we will talk about the video games that we have been playing, and we hope that you'll share your games with us as well. Uh, as I mentioned, tell your friends. Let at least a couple people know that you found a cool podcast that uh, just talks to you about all the neatest video game stuff. And uh, send them our way. We'd sure love to have them and uh, have them join our, our little fan club of uh, two people. And uh, other than that, uh, you can also find our web streams in addition to our podcast. We do at least one streaming show, and I know Jared is uh, kind of chomping at the bit to do a couple of others. I think he has uh, just started this week doing a Tales from the Borderlands playthrough, so he just got through... Oh, really? Yeah, he did. Yep, Chapter 1 just this past week. So, Legrand, I know you've gotten started on that as well, and if that is in your wheelhouse you might want to play along with them and maybe we'll have something to talk about on the show here too nah nah no not way. right now yeah <laughs> i'd have to replay the first episode so yeah that's kind of have to remember what went on in that story actually well it doesn't it do the last time on maybe it does i, I don't, don't have it anymore on that it, it doesn't have like cloud save on ios and i have a different ipad now oh, bummer that's a bummer stupid telltale do better i can re i can replay the two-hour episode when i feel like playing it yeah. And I'll play it on PC because I have it on PC now. Or you can just watch Jared do it and, you know, play vicariously through him. So, Anyway, this has been your Game Bite show for this week. We certainly appreciate having you along. We look forward to seeing you again next time, and uh, thank you so much. See ya. Peace. ピカチュウ新コンビ誕生。